Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what is astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we are preaching. And it is almost Christmas. It is almost Christmas. Well, it's odd that this Sunday is both the fourth Sunday of Advent and Christmas Eve. Yes, and I believe this is not something we talked about beforehand, but I believe this will probably be our last podcast for 2023. Yeah? Yes, because I yeah. am Cause we've I'm got out of town. Places to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're going to Hotlanta and I'm going to Ohio. So, uh, so what is astonishing you this week? Well, I am still celebrating uh, an event held on the campus of Dorada Church um, on this past Saturday. It's called Miracle Christmas Toy Giveaway. Uh, we had... 567 children and their parents uh, received gifts. Uh, we had um, 57 volunteers from Wells Fargo Bank and I believe also Bank of America and the Belk Company here in Charlotte. And it was a reminder that there is more than enough. There is more than enough um, for us to share. And our target was um, families living in the hotels in our community, uh, those who are uh, the working poor in our community, uh, the children that we served on Saturday, the same children who attended our summer camp in many cases, the same children who attend uh, an after-school program at the church. Uh, we are so blessed to have um, Johnson and Wales, uh, the cooking school, uh, as a partner, they provide meals for our after-school kids, and they even package things so that they can take them home and uh, or to their hotel and microwave them, and so that they have food to eat over the weekend. But it was such um, an astonishing blessing to see so many toys. I mean, our fellowship building was so full of toys and bicycles and people that. <laughs> For a moment, you know, I had to pull a leader aside to say, hey, if the fire marshal comes here, this doesn't look good. And so we had to do a bit of crowd control. But it um, it reminded me, it, it reminds me that the church, at least Derrida Church, has to stay in a very humble uh, place um, because we are simply conduits. I mean, none of the gifts... Well, a few of the gifts came from the church, but 98% of the toys and the bicycles came from corporate sponsors. Um, the Lowe's department store sent two truckloads of toys, um, I think as well as um, Wells Fargo. But the vast majority of the resources came from outside of the church. And none of it went into the church budget. And we are simply conduits of these great resources that flow into the lives of people through us. And it is, it's marvelous because if we had sat down at the beginning of 2023 and said we wanted to do this, we could not have done it alone. It was only in partnership with um, another nonprofit, Champion House of Care, the primary uh, driver in the organization and with uh, corporations, um, it was a reminder that we can and should 
be building relationships, not just with individuals, but with other organizations, and that God wants to use the church, yes, to preach the gospel, but also to build bridges, to build relationships, to meet needs so that we gain a hearing for the gospel. I'm just reminded of that old saying that no one cares what you know until they first know that you care. Um, and I experienced just a whole lot of love and caring and um, just astonished by the gift giving um, last Saturday. Well, I would just like to give a very sincere yes and Uh-oh. to that. Yes no, and. I mean, a, a 100% sincere yes to that. Like that is a clear movement of the Holy Spirit. And I think exactly what you said, like when we commit ourselves to saying, Lord, what we want is to be faithful to you in this season, God will provide everything we need Absolutely. in this season. And I Absolutely. think so often, like we look at what we have and then decide what our vision should be, or we look at the past and think, okay, here's what our vision should be. And I was listening this past week on, um, on the radio to one of the later shows, they were interviewing um, a, a woman, I wrote down her name, but I can't think of it now, but she's a, a city planner and she works on inclusive and accessible transportation um, and is one of the only black city planner civil engineers in the country and she was saying we get the future we predict and so I think when we as churches predict that we're going to have a certain future whether that is a future of like well we're the only faithful one so I guess we're just going to die out or a future of like we're going to be the biggest shiniest megaist mega church ever like in many ways this is a curse we get what we get what we long for right so I think that it's just it's a beautiful yes to knowing that God has everything we need provides us with everything we need in order to be faithful and it is beyond our wildest expectations when it comes to faithfulness and the and is I I want the church to be able to mobilize our, our ourselves and to bear witness and share a vision for the community that can we can we also not instead of but also do a kind do kinds of good that don't make us feel good i mean because i think the reality is like that's a i would not ever ever want to take that moment away from anyone it's beautiful and it matters it 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 matters to the hearts of those fa- children and it you know, you you are speaking to the hearts of kids where they are when you are providing them with what they long for at christmas that that's beautiful and there's no takeaway to that and i know that it it feels good to give a toy to a kid at christmas it feels good for that kid but it also feels good for us and it and i don't expect corporations to I mean, have a vision or a moral sense that they need to do more than that. It's amazing that they'll do even that. But I mean, just in this week, I'm reading several articles about like both locally and nationally, the homeless population has increased by 10% in 2023, which is the largest jump, I think on record, certainly since the pandemic. And I think, you know, what does it mean to to shower children in toys when they're living in a motel what does it mean to give a kid a bike when they live in a part of town where riding a bike is 
not safe, not safe, not because of violence, but because of traffic. Like, what does it mean to to give toys to a child who lives in a hotel room who may lose their housing and have to leave all those toys behind at a moment's notice? And like the kind of good that we that I believe that God is doing (laughs) is the kind of good that will reshape our relationships with one another so that we demand a new normal in the future where people can live in flourishing um, and, you know, not be utterly dependent on the, the kindness of the uber powerful, whoever they may be. And so that's not to take away anything from the people who had a vision and a generosity to give, because I don't take that for granted. And I think it's beautiful, but I also think it's the job of the church to say like, okay, but we don't have to live this way year round. Like there's no reason that in the richest country in the world, we have any children living in poverty, much less increasing children living in poverty that, that we, you know, so, so that that's, and having those conversations, like, goodness knows we know this at the Grove, like having those conversations about like, well, how do we, how do we advocate and seek to be a place where God can create affordable housing? Like that's not fun. Like those conversations, um, cause conflict and, um, people, people feel judged and people feel hurt and misunderstood. And so it's a kind of doing good that, you know, doesn't, you know, you don't have this like glorious day and it doesn't feel good. And it's hard, you know, it's harder to get, um, maybe you never get the credit (laughs) and maybe, you know, there's not a one day, but I think not instead of, but to say this is good and there's a deeper transformative reality of the kingdom of God that is right here waiting for us. If we people who claim Jesus as Lord will say, God, reorder my, reorder my values, reorder my priorities, reorder my sense of urgency, reorder my sense of what is, what is right and what is just and what is good. um, And help me have eyes for the culture of the kingdom and to love people regardless, but to be able to see truthfully, this is, I don't know, there's something really beautiful and really just poignant to me about that morning, but mainly just thinking about kids getting toys that they might not be able to carry with them when the funding for the hotel motel runs out. Yeah, for us, uh, this is about an ongoing relationship. Absolutely. You've been doing the after school and the summer camp. I mean, like this is, I, I mean, I think it's beautiful and I think it's partly, yeah, but I mean, I think you are, 100% 100% like walking in the middle of the line of faithfulness and we have an opportunity to bless people we we always want to be a part of that and be a conduit for that I know I sound like no no you, you're you, you're making a good point um, about uh, three or four years ago a woman named Robin joined uh, Dorada Church and um, uh, Robin is a retired person uh, from the corporate world and she came to me one day and she said pastor I, I I think I see what you're trying to do 
Um, but here's here's the problem. You are a heads in the cloud kind of guy. You go from A to Z and people can't follow you. Can I come alongside you to think about steps? Mm -hmm. I'm really detail oriented and that's what I did in the corporate world. I have relationships with with the corporate leaders and we design steps to move um, uh, the corporation from one place to another. So can I help you do that? Absolutely. And so where we are in the in the faith formation and development of Dorita Church is that we have taken a step over the past mm -hmm. two years. The step, we have gone from talking about people who are unhoused and homeless as those people, right? Mm -hmm. Drive past them, walk past them as if they are non-people. Now we know names. Mm -hmm. We know families. We have relationships. Um, and we are hosting, uh, let's see, two months ago, I think we hosted a, a debate with a couple of city council members about families living in those hotels. How can what, We have a housing crisis in right. Charlotte. Right. Right? And so it's, it, for us, it's one of those um, just small steps of, growth and advancement well, and, and, right. and small is holy and that Absolutely, and in yeah. relationships I mean what you're saying again that's why I'm not saying I'm saying yes wholeheartedly and because I think if the incarnation means anything it means that transformation starts in the context of relationship of being up close and so that you know there's no other place to start except for where you're starting and if we were holy. to do a toy giveaway once a year and pat ourselves on the back and go how how good did that feel? Mm -hmm. And then have no relationship. Well, that would that, still that be good, but it, it would still be, be good, yeah. but it would be problematic because the the because we center ourselves in that. Well, and I wasn't even thinking so much about Dorida as I was thinking about the partners who are. And I know you have partners who have showed up to give laptops and to give other things. And I think you know, I think the reality is living in Charlotte. I think that the corporate partners in Charlotte really do have a genuine many of them like a genuine and authentic sense of like we want to contribute we want to make a difference in the community and that's and that's real and I guess the connection for me is like coming back to the the interview that I heard from the city planner and this idea like we get the future we predict I think sometimes people think like well we'll do what we can and what we can do is toys at Christmas and what we can do is erase the digital divide and what we can do we will do but there are you know, we, we believe this myth that the reality is there's no, the, the housing shortage is inevitable. The, the homelessness yes. problem is inevitable. Like the, you know, the, the destruction of public schools is inevitable and there's really nothing we can do about those things. So we focus on what we can do. And I think the role of the church is to predict a different future is to say, not only can we do this and not only does this feel good, but do you know what else we can do? Like, what we believe is that God's words about the future are trustworthy and true. And we believe that they begin now in the risen Lord. And we are the people who are saying like, no, this is a, this is a solvable problem. And we will all sleep better in our lights night in our beds every night, knowing that there's enough housing 
for everyone in our community and we figured out how to make that happen and we can do it. And that and that's what I think the church can can come alongside these partners and say yes and and I do think our job is to supply the vision. And the Absolutely. vision that is not like wagging a finger at people is not saying like you're the bad guys and we're the good guys, but is saying like, no, the Lord has given us everything we do, everything we need, all the resources we need to create a flourishing community together. And we can do this. And it can be our voice saying saying that. And our corporate par- partners, let me be clear, they give nothing to the church. They, right. They're not volunteering for the church. Right. Dorada Church is in partnership with another nonprofit, the Champion House mm-hmm. of Care, that um, reaches out to those who are, are are struggling with homelessness. And the corporations in Charlotte partner with that nonprofit because, I mean, if I were, <laughs> if I were leading a corporation, I would not want to get involved in. Number one, the culture wars. Number two, theological debates, which right now churches seem to be notorious for. And so, um, uh, but they are willing to partner with other nonprofits who are helping people. And so there's this kind of, this kind of three-way synergy that I saw, the church world, the nonprofit world, and the corporate world yeah. on Saturday. And I, I do think you're right. The church can supply the, the, the God-directed vision right. for the, the why we are doing this. This is not for our feel-good, even though it does feel good. This is not a, uh, a one-time um, event. This is a part of something larger that God wants to do for the flourishing of all humanity yeah and i think you're i think what you are naming is really true i think in the church we often get the idea that anything we do we should do alone or if we're going to partner with someone it needs to be some another church or you know some organization that we have vetted theologically and we're in perfect alignment and being able to say hey the way that we love the lord is to say if someone's doing good in the world we we want to be part of it we can model that we don't have to like interview and vet people before we join in in serving our neighbors with them i think that's really beautiful and i think a lot of local small churches i mean there there are so many small churches who feel like oh we want to get involved but we don't have resources and the reality is often small churches we we do have resources we have land and we have buildings and i'm not a proponent of saying like okay shut the church down and sell it all off i'm a proponent of saying look around because i bet there are i believe that the holy spirit is leading people who are looking for chances to connect and serve together and we have to just be open to doing that and saying like my logo doesn't have to be on it Correct. in order to be to know yeah. and to celebrate that well, we're not anybody's saviors and you know who works for corp- corporations, both believers and non-believers. And so to have them under the roof of Derrida Church doing this thing for the community, well, it, I believe, I haven't had a conversation with people about this, but I believe that simply welcoming the kind of event we hosted on Saturday onto the campus of Derrida Church helps those believers who are seeking to be salt and light within those corporations mm-hmm. 
it, I think it opens the door for some kind of conversation with those who do not yet believe because they they can begin to see the church in a different light. And, you know, you and I have been people who um, were one at one time outside of the church mm -hmm. and the church can have um, a, a, a bad reputation. The church can be seen as takers and not givers, as uh, harsh, demanding, judgmental. And so to... Um, I, I don't know, to soften that and uh, give those believers who are working for corporations an opportunity to say, yeah, the, the church does stuff like this. Right. Well, and I also think as people who grew up outside of the church, we understand in a way I think that people who grew up inside of the church can't that it's you you need a way to walk through the door other than, oh, I'd like to come to worship today. Correct. Right. I mean, yes. people are on a spiritual journey, but they maybe don't realize that they're on it or they don't feel comfortable being on it or they're, you know, so to be able to say like, I can come to this place and connect with this community because I'm here to give toys to kids or to serve a meal. Like that is a safe place to start the work of building relationships and connecting with the community that then can translate into, oh, I've been invited to come for a worship service. Um, and that's why, you know, at the Grove, our mission statement is inviting all to serve and come alive in Christ. And we really like serving being at the center of our mission statement is, is really intentional because a, we just believe that's, the manifest, how Jesus manifested the glory of God on earth. But B, you can invite someone to serve with you before you can invite them to worship with you. And that we believe that those who come to worship with a heart for service um, will come ready to receive what is really of the Lord. Um, and just, you know, this is a way that we can open a door and a path for our neighbors who really are not connected with church world. And I think, you know, those of us who are inside, we don't realize how many people just don't have any points of contact, like don't have any primary firsthand relationships with anyone who actually goes to church. And so we don't recognize how foreign this life that's at the center of our life is for other people. And that's that doesn't good. mean that they are opposed to it. I mean, I think a lot of people are kind of standing at the outside like with their eyes, like looking, but just thinking like, oh, well, that's who you are, but it's not who I am. Because we play so much identity politics that we make people think that they can't belong unless they already belong. And I can't tell you how many people inside the Grove who are just, you know, have a beautiful walk with the Lord and have this sincere commitment to Jesus and are, you know, being called to participate in ministries and sometimes even to step into leadership, but they will feel this need to apologize like, oh, I don't know what I should know. Like, oh, I don't know these Bible stories. Oh, I didn't grow up in the church. Oh, I'm behind. I'm like, why are we making people who are coming into faith feel like they need to apologize for being behind instead of understanding that like we're all beginners here and following Jesus is not about having a set of a knowledge set. It's about having an orientation towards the Holy Spirit, really, ultimately. And there are a lot of people who have all the knowledge about Christianity who 
are completely turned away from and resistance and are using religion like a shield to protect themselves from the Holy Spirit. And so I think to be able to say both like, sure, there are some things we we do that that maybe don't make sense, although trying to create a worshiping culture where we are really clear about explaining everything every time we do it, because we expect that there are going to be folks who are coming to faith and and we expect that we're not talking to insiders all the time. Um, so I think a moment like the, a day like this is really, is really beautiful, both for just the m- multiple levels of people who encounter the Lord, like the children and families who receive these tokens of their worth and dignity and joy, just the joy, centering the joy of children, the folks who do get to come and serve and realize like, Oh, this is, this is a great blessing. Um, and then the idea that people will get to see, oh, there's a there's a church, like literally I feel comfortable walking in this building now, which is not nothing. I mean, it's, it's actually huge. It's a big deal. Yeah. Um, I get to be at these kind of events the unofficial photographer. So I grab my camera and I, even though uh, some members of the church uh, wear name tags to identify them as church members and you know they go throughout the you know people I simply grab my camera and ask people if I can take pictures of them and then I start a conversation and eventually they ask me well what do you do I know that's my favorite <laughs> when you don't right? tell them and yeah and because uh, I'm not wearing uh, a, a collar or you know clergy collar or anything like that there's there's nothing that identifies me as the pastor of the church and so when they ask well, what do you do after we've had this conversation and we have connected I said what do you do well I'm the pastor here and they go oh yeah right and um, I, I, I was talking to uh, a young woman on Saturday and she's yeah I want to talk to you about some other stuff. Right. I was like, yes. Well, so at Dorada yeah. Church, we have been talking about, we, we've been asking the question, how do we build a bridge for people into the life of the church? Mm-hmm. We, we've got to do more than say to, to say, than say to people, well, I hope you come on Sunday. <laughs> I right. hope to see you on Sunday. Like, literally, how do we um, make it easy for people to walk into the life of the church. And I, th- I think these um, these kind of events go a long way. Well, I think that it's just, it's faithful. I will say, I mean, this not for nothing. I'm not, I'm not quibbling, but I think just in terms of setting right expectations, I think we can't make it easy for someone to walk into faith. And I don't mean that we would put up barriers, but I mean, I think like just to acknowledge it's not easy. Like if someone is really, really being led by the spirit into a relationship with Jesus, either for the first time or in a new and disorienting way, I think it's not easy. And, you know, there's real wrestling that's happening internally. And I think that we can, as a community, be really aware (laughs) and want to be intentional about how we can support people in that, which I think means like having a commitment, a radical commitment to taking nothing personally, right? Like to know that we might see someone and then not see them for six months Absolutely. and not, and not to have some sort of 
internalized whatever about that, like not to let our own anxiety make us defensive or, you know, dismissive, but just to understand that um, people, I hope, I mean, this is scary to say, but I mean, I think in reality, if you if you are really coming into relationship with Jesus, you are considering the death of your old life and rebirth into a new life, which I believe will have deep points of continuity with your current life. Yes. But you don't but you don't know that um, on one side. And so to be able to say like to really have the soberness of like. I mean, as we say at the Grove, like you are wildly welcome here, like you really are, but also to really understand, like, we're not just inviting people to worship. Like we are inviting people into a radical rebirth and that's people inside our communities as, as well. And so to really understand, like, this is hugely significant. It's hugely good. Yeah. And when I say make it easy, and I think you may have touched this, we're, we're talking about removing barriers those unintentional barriers that we um, set up like I I spent the first 16 17 years of ministry as a single adult and it's challenging you know when churches center families especially this time of year and so I'm 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 since even though I'm married now with a child I'm sensitive to how we center families um, during the holidays, um, we had a conversation. Uh, we, I had a conversation with with a, a member of the church on Saturday about um, you know a, a, an event for children just before Easter, and you know the the same buses that we use to uh, bring people and children to the toy giveaway. Can we use those same buses to bring them to? maybe an Easter Sunday service and uh, this member of the church and I was just delighted to hear her say this. She said, you know what we should do? We should tell the church weeks in advance, hey, this Easter, no one's dressing up. Do not wear your Easter best. Do not Mm -hmm. wear, we are just regular clothes because we, we don't want to make any of our guests feel uncomfortable about what they may have or not mm-hmm. have to wear. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, that, mm-hmm. that is what we need to be. Well, I think, doing. you know, that, and, and maybe this was a landing place for this conversation. Like, I think that's what I'm thinking about through these, this whole advent, um, is, is what can we do or how can we walk through these days? And, and this isn't to bash tradition and this isn't to bash any of the goodness that's, around these days um, because I think you know things to delight in and more light and things to enjoy I mean we we need that and those are good gifts and we shouldn't shun them Um, and especially for those who are inside the church or outside the church who who you know either center or who acknowledge that these days used to be centered around the story of the nativity like wh- what can we do to make this a revelation and not a tradition like wh- 
what can we do when we when we know what's coming and we have all these layers of meaning which are which are beautiful and good and rich and deep and like a patina what i mean it's it it's good and also it can it can blind us from the idea that this this incarnational birth is a it is a radical i mean blasphemous idea that god almighty and especially you know if you have like classic greco-roman ideas of god that have sort of seeped into your unconscious about god being like eternal and unchanging and like uh, just you know your ideas of sovereignty have been formed by the culture like to to look at the birth of god in human flesh at all particularly in this human flesh um in this level of weakness and vulnerability and and what it would mean for us as a people not to have a tradition of remembering this story but to really believe and say no this is the revelation of of what and who should be centered in our lives like where the sacred is and so that all of the suffering and marginality that we kind of just accept as as inevitable if we were to say like no like the story of the incarnation is a revelation and so we know that there are there's salvation lies in these places and we need to center these kinds of families and we need to be aware that you know something that appears to be a scandal could actually be a manifestation of extreme righteousness and just the like again, I don't, I don't expect the culture, the secular culture, to do our work for us. But I think for us, I mean, so, so your church member who's saying like, yeah, let's, we don't want Easter to be a day of dressing up in fancy clothes. We want Easter to be a day where people are like, this incredible turnabout has happened, and and given that it has what does this mean for us and 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 how are we going to reorient our lives and and fancy clothes are nothing to us now because you know and I think that's like that's the key and that's I think the great gift of churches like yours and mine that are on the margins that are small that are struggling that are vulnerable is to be able to say like no 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 I think we have if we if we are willing to quit striving for like institutional, um, you know, celebration, success, if, if we are willing to just embrace where we are and go like, okay, we, you know, we know that we can't guarantee our own survival. And, and, and we also know that we have the ability to um, say things that sometimes people can't say in other places and spaces. And, um, and to really center the audacity of these stories um, and to really not let tradition turn them into something respectable or intellectual or metaphorical as opposed to say, like, no, I believe this is true. Like, I do not believe that this is, a, this is about anybody's values. <laughs> I believe this is true. I believe that God did this. And so 
what does that mean to say, I've given my life to this God and I'm worshiping this God? What does it mean in terms of who I, who I pay attention to that I might otherwise dismiss altogether and who I think has real power and where holiness lies that I otherwise wouldn't, wouldn't know? Listen, you just, um, you just named the, the title of my message this Sunday, this Christmas Eve. Um, I, I've been struggling with what am I going to preach this Sunday? Um, because it is very easy for us to gather, sing joy to the world, mm -hmm. and a lot of carols that we know and love that make us feel warm and fuzzy, and ooh-ah at the decorations that uh, we will uh, set up for Sunday, uh, drink some hot apple cider, hug each other sincerely because we love each other, and then go home. And um, just last night, I was thinking, okay, sermon, I don't, ha <laughs> I don't have a text. I have the narrative, um, but um, uh, the, the message is simply asking the question, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. Like, let's, let's just really sit with what does this thing, this the birth of this child mean? And I, I think you're right to point that out because it is so very easy for us to turn revelation into tradition. I love that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to quote you on Sunday. Excellent. <laughs> well, I do think like for people who have had a lot of cultural agency and power or people who serve in institutions that have had a lot of cultural agency and power, it is easy to love God and to find your hope in knowing that you are beloved, but also to experience like managing your power in the earth's institutions as the way you express your faith, right? So like, I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to work hard in school. I'm going to be faithful in my marriage. I'm going to vote. I'm going to write like, this is how I'm going to live out my faith. And, and that and is, instead. well, and I just think like what, what that can mean then is that what we don't realize is we, we kind of are living functionally as atheists, right? We're saying, I, I can be the God in my own life by applying these God values to this human created culture. And I think what people on the margins, people who have been shut out, people um, who, who have had no power, haven't, haven't had the ability to participate in these institutions, much less have power to shape them. What, what they know is that I, my, my ability to live my faith is not limited to the role I play in those spheres, right? That God does outrage, offensively outrageous things to manifest God's will. Things like, a, a, you know, making a virgin become pregnant. Things like, raising um, the son of God from the dead, resurrecting, resurrection. And so to really believe that means to say, I don't have to work through all these established institutions. I don't have to look for relevance or power or resources through them. And I think when you, when you have all that, it's easy to see that you're limited by it. Paradoxically, when you, when you don't have that, you can despair, but, but if you seek the Holy Spirit, you can realize, Hey, wait a minute, God it's not that God despises the good that these institutions can do or the people who are involved in them, far be it. But God is not and never has been working through institutions. Yes. 
which is why I think our Advent Christmas theme this year is brilliant. And, you know, it didn't... didn't you came up with it. No, I, I <laughs> did not come up with it. I got it from, um, oh, N.T. Wright and Tim Mackey of, of the Bible Project. Uh, the beginning is near. The beginning is near. So what we celebrate in the birth of Jesus is God breaking into the world in a way that brings heaven near and invites us to step into a new birth, a new world. Um, there is this biblical scholar in, in, in England, uh, perhaps you've heard of him, N.T. Wright. Oh he says that, you know... <laughs> you can't make that joke when you've okay. already said his name, sorry, not 30 sorry, seconds sorry. before. Listen, uh, oh, that's right. Um, uh, he says that, you know... Much of Western thinking is that heaven is somewhere far, far away. And he's like, no, really, the, the Bible talks about revelation. That is, things that are really close up being unveiled. Mm -hmm. And he says, heaven, he says, we really don't quite have the language for it, but that it is near kind of like another dimension. And if, if God would give us the spiritual eyes and something would be unveiled like right here in the present in the present we would see uh, an, another world of God's activity that is that is um, a part of kind of thinly veiled uh, in this world and we are invited in the here and now to be a part of that and that is that is that's very different than uh, a Christianity that says um, uh, America is a city on a hill. And be a good person. Just be mm -hmm. a good person. Yeah. No, God God is at work. God is at work in Jesus. God is at work right. in Jesus by the Spirit, doing something in the world, in creation. And you and I, ordinary people, are invited into this extraordinary work of God. Well, and I think really, and and I have and I want to talk think about this more and figure out a way to have bigger conversations about it. But one of the things I'm noticing is just um, how insidiously and unconsciously we can begin to live a faith that is about God, but centers ourselves. Like this is about how I am going to walk, you know, walk out my, you know, how I'm going to follow God, how I'm going to be faithful to God, how I'm going to do whatever for God. And instead of, a faith that I think is really like ultimately salvific, but really hard on the human ego of saying like, no, at the center of my life is God, not me. And, and so I like, I am not, I'm not in control. I'm not in charge. I can't predict what God might do. I can't manage God. And I don't, and I'm not offended by that, but that I actually, I actually rejoice in that. And I think particularly in sort of like liberal scholarship. And I think, conservative scholarship has other issues so i'm not <laughs> just, but that's that's not really my family of origin so i'm just gonna let that be but i think in liberal scholarship the challenge i see is this 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 really insidious way of just kind of like challenging the sovereignty of god is essentially like de facto talking about god's god as an idea or like god you know I think it's important to name sort of the vulnerability of Christ born and Christ on the cross, but 
but then to say like, oh, so God's not powerful, God's vulnerable. And so everything is up to us in terms of like correctly applying these values. I'm like, no, 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 no. We are not the saviors of the world. Even if we're just the very best, most faithful thinkers in the entire universe, like, no, we have a savior and we are dependent. We rejoice in our dependency on of our uh, to our savior, to God. And I think there's, you know, it's just a really fascinating sense of how many people who are people of faith, but who have really been taught by their institutions not to depend on God, but to be independent and that somehow that, that pleases God. And so I, I mean, I'm, that I'm, reminds me of the temptations of Jesus. Well, the, right? yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I just think, um, I, I, well, I think, what I really think is I we said, ha- I said we're we going to be a short podcast and we, we left Starbucks today everyone, saying we, we only have 30 minutes. We've got to do a, a short podcast. And we went on a run first. I need to say that. I oh, need credit right. for that. We did. Run. Um, but I also just need the did world you say, to know. I need credit I do for that. need credit for that. Yes. Um, Cause I don't like running. I like having run and talking about it. I'm that person. And I need everyone to know that I have to go to the dentist with my oh, children right. soon and I hate the dentist and I'm unashamed of the gospel and I'm also unashamed to say I don't floss I don't floss I know it's terrible I know it's awful but I don't floss and every time I go every time I go to the dentist which I hate the the hygienist hygienist who I appreciate and value and love but they will always give me a lecture about not flossing even when I specifically walk in and I'm like look I understand that it's my fault that I am reaping the consequences of my actions that if I would floss more regularly, this would not be painful for me or for you. And I understand. And there's nothing you can say. Like, this is an internal battle that I have to fight. Like, you can't save me. So please don't add to the discomfort and the shame and the pain of this experience by lecturing me about how I should floss because I know Okay. And still it's like this irresistible temptation to be lectured. They all like, they can't not do it. They cannot not say it. And I'm sure there's some sort of like life giving eye opening correlation that I should have as a pastor and preacher of the gospel of like what, but anyway, I'm just saying I'm dreading it and I have to pick up my kids and I can't be late and everyone should know (laughs) that I don't floss. And so if that changes how you feel about listening to me talk, like so be what it. What is happening? I I have the dignity of my choices, but I'm just dreading it. But I can't be late. That's all I'm saying is like I cannot show up in my shameful, unflossed wow. teeth and also wow. be late. So I have to stop. Wow. So this is wow. Okay. I I feel like I need to ask you to go put your feet up on your couch and I grab a notebook and just take notes. I and can't. Okay. I'm just like. All right. Well, then close us out. This is another incarnational <laughs> moment. I just let let no one say I'm obsessed with my own dignity because I'm clearly not. Um, it's not. The way you're laughing is making me regret all my life choices, and I'm already there. I am, you know. Once again, I'm, I'm yeah, just I'm, astonished. <laughs> I'll let you all know no, how it goes no, if I no, got a lecture no, but or here, not. Here, here is one thing I do appreciate about our our, our friendship that you are, you are, you are funny in your, um, your self awareness. 
Um, and you will just put it out there. Hey, this is where I am. And Well, I'm just I, saying, like, I understand that I am, I am responsible for my choices. But I also need the dental hygienists to understand <laughs> that they are responsible for their choices. And they decided to train and work as hygienists. And so part of what they signed up for is to clean the teeth of people like me who don't floss. And so, like, I'm sorry. If you didn't ever want to give cleanings to people for whom it was painful, you should have picked another line of work, okay? So here's where we are. Like, I'm responsible for my choices, but you are also responsible for your choices, and we just don't need to lecture each okay. other. Okay, all right. So I have some issues. Let and the I'm ushers gonna, come. I can't. We'll receive the offering. <laughs> We have preached. I, I can't make this. I can't make from, this transition. So just from awkward. birth of Jesus to the hygienist. Okay, all right, very good. I, know, I also can't say hygienist. I it's a hygienist. Right. I'm yes. saying it wrong, and I'm yes. sorry. Um, thanks for listening. I'm clearly rapidly becoming unhinged. And if you would like to find out more about what God is doing at God's Church, Derrida Presbyterian, you can go to the website, which is deridapres.com. Yes. And if you want to hear Yolanda's messages, um, you can go to the Derida Church podcast, which is on the Podbean website, or you can go to their YouTube channel and um, see some very well-produced worship services. Or you could worship with them at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings in the Derida neighborhood. And if you want to know about more or be part of what God is doing at The Grove, you can go to that website, which is our, uh, the website, which is thegrovecharlotte.org. You can check out the podcast, which is The Grove Church Podcast um, on iTunes or, you know, wherever. Look wherever. for the tree wearing headphones. You can check out the YouTube channel. Um, just just look for the, the tree with roots because there's a lot of groves out there, a lot of grove churches out there, The Grove Charlotte. And uh, you can worship with us at 10 a.m., on Sunday or this Sunday, Christmas Eve, you can worship with us at 5 p.m. You can worship with us twice on wow. Sunday. Two, okay. two, two you guys times. Are holy. I mean, my my children are rebelling, but yes. <laughs> but thank you all for listening, and we will not talk to you next week. We will talk to you in 2024. Holy cow. That's holy right. Cow. Yep. Yep.